time for baseball with the Bard. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Coming to you live from camp again. The summer's been busy, but it's been a lot of fun. A lot of rain, but we have a little bit of sun today. Supposed to storm later, but we'll get through it. Joining me today is the boss man, best head of hair in the business, Mr. Joseph Aguirre. Joining us, Tyler's busy. Joe, how are we doing? Uh, we're doing great. The hair is excited to be here. Uh, sad Tyler can't be joining us today, but you and I have a lot to discuss here. And I, I know he's your best friend. I don't know how sympathetic he's been as far as the Yankees inconsistent and mediocre play. Uh, I actually have quotes that I can, I can pull up very quickly as Tyler was texting me last night while the Yankees were utterly sucking against the Red Sox. And I quote, at 8.26 p.m., what the hell are the Yankees swinging at? <laughs> my my reply was, I'm running at the campfire right now, not watching. He goes, oh, okay, they're swinging out of their shoes. And my reply, FML. Well, there goes my big, bold prediction for tomorrow, as in today's show. He goes, Rodriguez is throwing a no-hitter. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and then he follows up with, pathetic showing, swings are gross. So, no, he hasn't been sympathetic at all at all in fact he has been rubbing salt in the wound the entire season that's surprising i i would have thought nope. i would have thought he'd have been a little more um but that's the whole thing with i was talking to some red sox fans oh. yesterday mm. and they were very like in my face about the way the yankees are playing they wanted to um they wanted to attack the organization they wanted to attack poor Hal Steinbrenner. You know, that guy's not like his dad. Well, I want to tell people what his dad was like because I lived through the George Steinbrenner years. And, you know, he bought the team in 72. They did win championships in 77 and 78, but it, it was the players. It mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't anything he did no. uh, outside of bringing Reggie Jackson aboard. He didn't really he didn't really do anything there to make those teams good. If anything, uh, he was a disruptive force. The constant hiring and firing of Billy Martin, for one, um, trading Reggie Jackson, eventually running Dave Winfield out of town. The Yankees of the 80s and 90s were poor to mediocre. And he often traded guys like a young Fred McGriff or young Willie McGee, or Jose Rio, all guys who went on to superstar careers to get back guys like Steve Kemp. Not great. So the, the track record of George Steinbrenner, I, people should understand this. I know they had all the success of the late 90s. Well, guess what? He was suspended. Mm -hmm. And Gene Stick Michael started running the organization and put an emphasis on the minor leaguers. He was the guy, Noah, who decided that they shouldn't trade Mariano Rivera and Derek Jeter for Brian Harvey in 1993. That was pretty close to happening. Yeah, now look who so, people are begging to yeah. come. They're like, oh, I wish we still had Rivera. You know, I wish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So people kind of, you know, look, uh, uh, the Yankees have Giancarlo Stanton and Garrett Cole, two guys who make um, almost $100 million a year combined. Please stop saying that Hal Steinbrenner's cheap or he's not like his father. You're right. He's actually looking at numbers and listening to advisors. It's what you want. On paper, there's no reason why this team um, yes, on paper. shouldn't be winning. They, they should be at 60 wins by now. There's no reason they're not. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that's you, you can criticize the ownership all you want. They spent the money and they brought in the players. The fact that the players aren't hitting, it, it, that's got nothing to do with management. If you, you want to indict somebody upstairs, Brian Cashman's the guy that put everybody in there. It's been the same team for the last four or five years now, virtually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not working. No, definitely not. You've got to do um, something, and and I don't know that I don't know that he really addressed the Yankees' biggest issues year to year. That that's my biggest thing with with Brian Cashman, and it's not that you know he just doesn't get good players. It's not that they don't want to spend the cash. It's just simply there are issues that are sticking out, issues that are clear as day that haven't been addressed. Like just simple things where you're looking at it and you're like, all right, hey, let's uh, why you know the the lack of lefty hitters in the lineup is one thing that you look at. I mean, you just have this one dimensional lineup that is you know power hitters up and down, and it seems to just be redundant hitter after hitter after hitter. I mean, you have DJ is the only one who actually just kind of slaps the ball around and puts it in play. Glaber sort of fell off a slope, and you know you're you're putting a lot of hope in Stanton and Judge who are now finally hitting back to back sometimes. But and you have you know Stanton sitting every two days, but we'll, we'll talk about that later. But the biggest thing is there's issues that are sticking out in the Yankees organization, in the Yankees lineup, in the Yankees um, rotation, and they're just not being addressed. Like you like you said, it's just simple things. Like all right, there's a problem here. There's a hole. We don't have enough lefty lefty hitters. So you know we trade for Roof Neto Door. All right, that was kind of a bandit on a bullet hole, but I guess it's somewhat of a start. It's not exactly who we need. We'll talk about later who the Yankees are looking at now on the uh, the trade block rumors. But let's jump into the most recent bout with the Yankees here and the bout that they had with COVID uh, because the Yankees got fucked up with coronavirus. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Uh, they COVID runs through the Yankees organization. Uh, there's six people in total who have tested positive for COVID. Uh, I think the other three are on the staff, but the three big names that aren't going to be in the lineups for a couple weeks here, uh, or at least until they clear the COVID procedures, are Aaron Judge, Kyle Higashioka, and Gio Urshela. All tested positive for coronavirus um, following the All-Star break. Um, so, I mean, Joe, do we, do we kind of just say the All-Star break was to blame for this crazy COVID outbreak. I mean, the way I, what I'm saying is we've had an entire half a season where we haven't seen it this bad. Yeah. Right? Like there's been players popping left and right. Uh, one, two, that's it. But I mean, this is, this almost hit the whole team and had to cancel a game they have, because of COVID. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, th- this is the whole thing. You know, I, I remember when the NBA was doing their all-star weekend and the players were like, uh, I don't know. This is kind of stupid, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Should, should we really be doing this? Exactly. And, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would think the same thing. Uh, you know, the All-Star game is the All-Star game is a is a fun luxury. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a time to do stuff like that. And then there's there's a time to not do stuff like that. And I think this year probably would have been best to just give everybody a couple of days off at home. Mm-hmm. And 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 not try to get everybody out there I, I, again. I just this is this is terrible for the Yankees. This is yeah. like literally the last thing that this team needed right now was mm-hmm. was to be hit by COVID. And you know, again, you're talking about very impactful players. Um, 
you just look at the lineup from last night tells you all you need to know. I mean, uh, you know, the Yankees were already in trouble and already dealing with injuries, you know, and this is the kind of thing too, where, uh, you know, you got to keep being tested now. And so it's more likely more guys will get it, mm-hmm. not less. Yep. Exactly. Bad. And like you said, it's it's just a bad timing, awful timing. Cause I mean, you think they come off of the all-star all-star game or the all-star break and they're supposed to have this set of four with the socks, like in a very, very important set of games. And now they're missing three guys who are in their starting nine, you know, almost every day. Cole is pitching tonight. So, you know, Higashioka is his designated catcher. Obviously, Sanchez is going to be catching Cole tonight, so we'll, hopefully that goes well. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about the designated catcher thing, to be honest. I feel, I feel like if you make that much money, you should be able to pitch to me. Um, like, I should be able I to agree. sit behind the plate, and you could just, yeah, like, just get it get it where you need to. Um, but one goal thing, Trey, Trey Ambergy gets the call for right field. He's spent six seasons in AAA. Uh, this season he's swinging a 274 average with a slugging of 494. So I mean he fits right in. Uh, he fits right in, unfortunately, with the rest of the squad. Uh, so I mean that's cool, and that's one thing that they said is that they're going to have to start pulling guys from from random places here to fill the holes. And the Yankees outfield was already very depleted um, with the loss of Aaron Hicks. So you know they have Gardner going out there every day now, and he was supposed to just be a backup when the season began. And now they're calling up guys from AAA who have been there for you know almost ten years because they literally have so many holes in the outfield. Well, for the life of me, I still can't understand why Estevan Florial, who's mm. twenty years old, isn't playing center field every day for the testify. Testify. If you look around the league at guys like Juan Soto and Ronald Acuna Jr., Fernando Tut, these are all kids. These are all kids that are the same age as Florial, and you've got Florial parked at like single A, now maybe double A. But like, hey, let's let's bring the kid up. Mm-hmm. What's the worst that's going to happen? He hits a buck eighty with like one hundred twenty strikeouts. You're getting that production now anyway. Mm-hmm. It would make more sense for the Yankees to bring up guys like Trey and Bergy and uh, oh the other kid, the uh, the Asian kid, Ho Young Park, uh, Park who's yeah, an infielder. Yeah. But bring them up, see what you have. Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? That's what exactly. every other team in baseball does. Instead, the Yankees want to go out move and 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 move some of the depth at other positions to go out and get a guy like Tim LaCastro. I mean, that's that's not the answer. The answer is in your minor league system. Yeah. Look at the Red Sox. Every time they bring somebody up, becomes another Red Sox legend. It's unbelievable. And the Yankees just don't, you know, look, Chance Adams. Remember yep. Chance Adams? Oh, yeah. For years, all Chance Adams does is win. He wins. He wins. He wins. He's great. He's going to be a... He's going to be a potential number one starter. And years went by and you're like, is this dude ever going to come up here? And then he came up and he was terrible. Bring these guys up when they're young. Mm-hmm. That way, you know what you have. I yeah, think especially exactly. when you're looking at where the Yankees are right now, knowing that after the season, you're going to have to make some pretty drastic changes here. Mm-hmm. You got to know who you got to know who can play and who can't. Glaber Torres can't be the shortstop of the future. That's just not happening for the Yankees. And the fact that he's not hitting for anything, you're just making this worse. You really got to get a shortstop in there. That's that's pretty evident. Absolutely. Luke Voigt has been a disaster this year with the injuries. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, well, this year, every year. 
Every yeah. Luke, Luke, there's always something going on with Luke Ford. I mean, that's why Mike Ford got so much play time, and then they move him. You know, they move him. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying I'm a huge Ford fan, but I don't know if you've seen what he's been doing since he's been on the Rays. Well, but again, another, another. You know, uh, you know, you another look at the Yankee team. You mentioned the lack of a lefty. Yep. The Yankees have 27 championships in their history, Noah. Not one of those championships was earned without two power lefty bats. Exactly. 27 for 27. This team does not have a lefty power bat. It's not Ruggie Odor, and it's not Brett Gardner. I mean, that's a pretty blatant missing element that, that this team has, and the, the Yankees have to be aware of that. You're not taking advantage of your own ballpark. Mm-hmm. And the, the so, biggest thing with that is, and that, this goes back to, like you said, that general manager conversation, that's just negligence, like plain and simple. As you said, 27, 27 World Series championships, you've had at least two power lefty bats, and now you're trying to do that same, like, what? You're trying to win a World Series, but you're not going to set your team up for success. That's just plain, that's just plain negligence. That's just not, like, you got to do it. Like, that's obvious. There isn't one general manager in the game, besides probably Brian Cashman, who will say we can win a World Series without having at least a power lefty batter, at least one batter that can, you know, switch the pitcher up a little bit, get a little bit off of a pace or off of a tempo. Because, I mean, you look at the two, three, four in the Yankees lineup, they love swinging at those breaking balls off the plate. Absolutely love. I literally said to Tyler once, I need to get a girl who loves uh, me as much as Aaron Judge loves swinging at Tyler's off the plate. It's just, it's just the truth. It's just the truth. And so, they don't have any break. There's no breakup. Yeah, listen, that's a really good point. And, you know, there's a reason for that. And and here's here's what I saw. And this is a big part of what that inconsistent play was. You remember Aaron Judge got off to a great start and yes. Giancarlo Stanton got off to an okay start. And then they moved Stanton up in front of Judge. And Judge had no protection behind him with Void out and Sanchez playing terrible. And he went 0 for 11 with like seven strikeouts. And everybody said Aaron Judge sucked and shouldn't get an extension. And then Gary started hitting again, and Voight came back for a short time. And so once again, that the, the lineup got a little bit deeper, and you start – this is the problem is when, when you don't have to throw fastballs at Judge and Stanton, you can win those games, and you're going to probably shut those mm-hmm. guys down. Mm-hmm. And so for the Yankees – Having a Gary Sanchez who's not an automatic out, just having Luke Voigt in the even if Luke Voigt goes 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, just being in the lineup though means Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton see fastballs. Like the the impact that these guys have, and this is I think what a lot of a lot of times people don't understand. It's not like Trey Ambergy can't 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 play decent out in 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 right field, or Gary Allen can't man left field. Uh, for a few, he ended up pinch hitting for Ambergy uh, mm-hmm. uh, late in the game last night. But you know these guys are these guys are there. Nobody's afraid of these guys. And while these guys might, and this is, I think, the thing with Mike Ford and the thing with Mike Talkman is they got the job done. And we as fans were like, man, these guys are great. They're yeah. scrappers. Yeah. They play well. But what they don't do is impact the lineup mm-hmm. and offer protection for anybody. And so ultimately, I think that's that's why both of those guys are out of town because it's interesting. I just said we need two lefty bats. We have a glaring hole in the outfield where one of them could be, and then over at first base, another one. Yep. So interesting that the Yankees um 
Moved those guys. And the yeah. only two power lefties they even had, the guys who would even be considered for the job, got moved. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, that's just uh, it's just kind of simple-mindedness. Just to be like, really? Like you had them in front of your face. They were right there for you, and we moved them. And honestly – Did I mean, you not scratch your head when you saw – Oh, absolutely. Like, well, I my Talkman, what? Mike Talkman was extremely confusing, especially because of the – like, you know, you just need, you need outfield depth. And the Yankees have always had that for a few years. This season, not at all. And when they moved him, it was kind of – you know, Talkman's fast too. So the Yankees without him are a lot slower of a team as well. Sure, they just got LeCastro, but at the time they didn't. And Talkman, he's a pretty solid outfielder. He's been making some great plays over in San Francisco. Uh, and he's had a couple big hits, too. Sure, he's swinging, you know, low 200s. But, again, that's just what the team's doing right now. So, in that hole that you have in the Yankees lineup, he would be a great fit. The second I saw Ford got traded to the Rays of all teams, I put my hand in my – I literally – that's exactly the reaction. I saw that, and I said, you've got to be fucking kidding. Like, we are – uh, uh, Of all yeah. the teams on the <laughs> planet <laughs> – Tampa, what? I the second I saw that, the next article was Mike Ford will be the next G Man Choi, and <laughs> I, I don't doubt it. No, seriously, he's been tearing it up in AAA already. Yeah, tearing it up. That's the Rays are just good at making power lefties. And the second I saw that, I said, "Oh God!" Like you, you know, you know, it's gonna be like Game Five of like the ALDS against the Rays or something, and Ford's gonna come up and smack Chapman for a home run or something. Like oh. it's just, and it's gonna be like, well. Saw that coming, guys. Like, no shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's painful. It's painful. But hey, speaking of dingers, let's hop into the recent happenings of the home run derby. And then we'll go kind of quickly through this. Uh, there's not too much to talk about. But the first round was Trey Mancini. You know, he was the heart pick. He was uh, he was there because I, I was rooting for Trey. I thought it would be cool. But he didn't make it far. He made it farther than a lot of people would have thought. As uh, He hit 24 home runs in the first round to Matt Olson's uh, 23 home runs. Uh, the next batch was Trevor Story, who took on Joey Gallo. Story beat Gallo. So Story hit 20, and uh, Gallo An hit interesting 19. interesting battle of two future Yankees. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I like I like the way you think there. Remember, Gallo, I think, more than, more than uh, Story there. But we'll see. When, the Yankees definitely need to address shortstops. So we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, Pete Alonso decimated Salvador Perez, 35 to 28. To be fair... Perez had more home runs than yes. anybody before. Uh, he, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty rough way to go out. Absolutely, yeah. and I agree. And I, and also, I mean, I said the same. I was going to say that with Shohei. Shohei leads the league in home runs, and yet, you know, he gets eliminated by Soto in the first round. It was kind of like, oh, and that went to a swing off. So Soto hit thirty one homers, and and uh, Otani hit twenty eight at the end of the swing off. And again, Otani has more home runs than anybody. So he lost in the first round of the home run derby. So it's kind of like, all right, like I guess. Uh, next round, Trey Mancini again defying the odds, beat Trevor Story 13 to 12. Alonzo beat Soto 16 to 15. So just beat him by one. And in the final round, Pete Alonzo reclaims his championship, reclaims his reign as the home run derby champion as he won in 2019. And now this year in 2021. Uh, with 23 home runs to Trey Mancini's 22. And Alonzo made it look easy. Plain and simple, he made it look fucking easy. And after the home run derby was over, they gave him his trophy. He got the nice spinner necklace home run derby that the Padres like to sport, the Slam Diego Padres, uh, as they've been dubbed. And he said, I am the best slugger today. And I quote Pete Alonzo, 2021 home run derby champion. What do you think of that, Joe? I don't like when anybody declares their self anything. Mm -hmm. 
You you don't declare yourself the best. Your peers and contemporaries or the writers or somebody else has to be like, that guy's the best. Because that's what we've done with Jacob deGrom. Mm -hmm. The consensus of all of us, knowledgeable baseball fans and the casuals alike, we're like, oh, that guy's the best. Absolutely. I don't know that anybody's clamoring over a, a, a 220 hitter uh, who certainly has been hitting the long ball. Mm -hmm. He's good. I, I mean, I'll give him that. Best slugger? I don't know. There's definitely better power hitters in the game. If you mean, are you the only guy that hits 220 with, you know, 35 plus? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You're the best of that. Sure. Um, sure. But I, again, at the end of the day, would I rather have Juan Soto or Shohei Otani or Matt Olson? Yes, I would. I would take, I could think of, I could think of a dirty dozen guys I would take uh, before Pete Alonzo mm -hmm. if I was just picking guys to pop homers. He's great and he's good. And I, again, I'd love to talk about the Mets and how, I don't know. I feel like you could dig up the ghosts of Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig and Ty Cobb and the Mets would still come in third place. <laughs> I listen, the Mets are having a good season. So uh, I mean, far. They're, they're up by three over the Phillies. Time out. Look, here's the whole thing. The Mets are having a good season, or are the Nationals terrible? The Phillies and Braves underperforming. And the Marlins are just atrocious. And the Marlins are the Marlins. They're the yeah. Orioles of the NL yes. uh, the, uh, the NL East. Yeah, pretty much. Um, But so, yeah, the Mets are playing well. And Jacob DeGrom is, like, otherworldly at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. But they still don't score with any consistency. And I think on, you know, in, in, in any, any five or seven game series, unless, you know, I mean, DeGrom pitching three times, it better be every, it better be every time because, yeah. uh, well, not to match. That's the other thing, right? You're like seven game series. DeGrom will start three times. Right. But will you win any of those starts? Is that's, the that's question. the biggest thing. And I was just will you say lose that. them all one to nothing? Because mm -hmm. that's not that's, good either. And that's what's been <laughs> happening. That's what's been happening is um, if you look at Jacob DeGrom uh, and his stats, it's unreal how many uh, no decisions he, he really has because he only has seven wins. I mean, yeah. we're more than halfway through the season. The guy's an ERA of 1.08. Not as good as Nestor Cortez Jr., but 1.08. Uh, and he is 7-2 and two because the Mets decide to not give him any run support. So that's just the reality of that situation. This is so let me ask you this, right? Cause, and I, and I got a buddy who's a Mets fan. We, 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 we've been having this discussion and then Cole had those couple of bad starts and he was like, yep. well, no question now. And I'm like, well, they still have the same amount of wins. Um, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, um, the Yankees gave Garrett Cole, what? 39 million a year. I think it works yes. out to. Yes. Um, now, Jacob DeGrom, he makes a lot of money too. But apparently, they're not paying Jacob DeGrom for wins. They're paying Jacob DeGrom for strikeouts in a low whip. You know what I'm saying? This, this, this whole idea, Noah, that wins, wins aren't important. They're not, that's not a really important stat. Oh, really? Because I think when the, the night's out, we determine a winner and a loser. So it would seem to me that the that winning games is really important. 
And if your plan is to have your bullpen win like 60 games, I don't think that's a great plan either, right? You you do want your starting rotation to win games. And when you have an ace who's winning 12, 13 games, you're like, no, he's the best. Get out of here with that bullshit. Get out of here with that nonsense. I'm sorry to say, if you're the ace of a staff and you walk away with 10 wins, you're not a good ace. Mm-hmm. I don't care how good or bad the team is. 1968, Steve Carlton was on one of the worst teams of all time, the St. Louis Cardinals. They won 58 games all year. Carlton won 27. So don't tell me that an ace can't win on a shitty team. Mm-hmm. It's been done, and it happens a lot. Now, DeGrom definitely won more games this year than he's won in years past, and he certainly yeah. could yeah. be on pace for you know, a good 14 wins. But again, if somebody wins 20 or 21, take that Cy Young and shove it sideways up his ass. Sorry to say, you you don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. You just don't deserve it. There's they, there's there's always a little bit of hard luck when it comes to baseball. I had that conversation yeah. earlier. If you look at Gary Sanchez's expected batting average from earlier this season to what it actually was, should have been a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Gary was hitting 120-mile grounders that were being fielded, and he was being thrown out easily. That ball's a, a foot to the left, goes up the middle to base hit. So there is a luck component involved in here. And and to, to suggest that an ace pitcher, it's okay if he gives me eight good innings and I lose? No, it's not. Why would you pay that guy? Why would you pay a guy a ton of money when your team can't finish his games, that seems stupid. No, that's absolutely true. Uh, it does seem dumb because you, you really just think about wins and losses. I, the whole they don't pay them for wins. That's just fucking stupid. Someone's actually that's, said so that is the most yeah. ridiculous things in the world, right? It's and, like, well, we're not paying Aaron Judge for homers. We want a nice OBS. <laughs> I want to make a correction because we we did uh, agree that Degrom and Cole had the same amount of wins. Cole has two more wins than Degrom, so Cole Cole is nine and four. Degrom is seven and two. So, like I said, Degrom has a lot of no decisions because his team blows the game late. Um, and Gary Cole's ERA is obviously a little higher. But if you do look at like past seasons uh, and looking at Degrom, for example, in 2019, where he only went 11 and eight on the whole season with a with an ERA of 2.43. Um, I mean, you look at a guy like Brandon Woodruff from the from the Brewers, who had a similar ERA, similar amount of wins, eleven wins and and, and four losses. Um, and again, who got the Cy Young? Take up the ground, mm-hmm. right? So I agree with you there. Uh, your team definitely can win it, you know. And if you're the ace that everyone says you are, you got to go out there and win the games. Uh, Cole looked like an ace in his last start. Uh, against the Astros, where he threw what was like 129 pitches. That was yeah. unreal. Unreal. And I will say, I have Cole in, in both of my fantasy leagues, just like I have Otani in both. I don't know how I did that. But Cole is, Cole is disgusting when it comes to uh, fantasy baseball. So if you don't have him, folks, you, may, you know, and no one does in your league, you could pay attention. You want that guy. Um, speaking of All Stars, let's hop over to the All Star game. We'll do a quick chat about that. 
as the American League once again dominated the National League for the eighth straight year. Uh, and now this was another game Tyler was giving me play-by-play for because I was working. Camp, camp doesn't stop. So my actually today is my day off of the week. Every, the whole staff gets Saturdays off. You work uh, 10 a.m. Sunday to 10 a.m. the next Saturday. That's that. That's your schedule, and you get 24 hours off to do your laundry and sleep. Um, that's about all the time that I have, and obviously the hour here I spend with with Joe, my other best friend, uh, besides Tyler. So he was giving me the play-by-play through the All-Star game, and Tyler said, uh, "Why doesn't National League even show up anymore? Like this is just embarrassing. Like because the again the American League was just like, oh well, that was easy. You know, just pop a couple homers." The pitching just tore them apart, and that was it. The final score was five to two, not a blowout, not a blowout, but you know it's an All Star game. You figured you would see some slugging, I guess. Uh, the AL has won every All Star game since two thousand and four, uh, two thousand and thirteen. Now here's the thing, though: their overall record is not that bad. So the American League is up forty six to forty three. That makes it look a lot better for the last, you know, uh, six year, eight year, eight years of, yeah. of losses. Well, so you mentioned the American League hasn't lost one since 2013. The National League actually won it in 10, 11, and 12. But yes. prior to that, they hadn't won one since 96. Uh, yeah. And so outside of the 2002 tie, yeah, uh, the American League uh, has typically dominated the All-Star game mm-hmm. pretty much uh, other than in the in – the, uh, Early, actually, I would say for most of the 70s, the National League. But then again, you look at the teams in the National League, you had the big red machine. Pittsburgh Pirates are really good back then. Um, and so that was the, the one of the rare shifts in, in all-star history. Um, it's interesting. I, I You know, I've always loved the all the, the uniforms were I, I, I was offended by how ugly that was. Yeah, they weren't good at all. Just let them wear their uniforms. Mm-hmm. They used that to do they that. normally wear. That's what it's yeah. supposed to be. We all wear our home whites. Maybe I've got pinstripes. Maybe you've got vertical stripes. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We're all wearing white, and the other side wears their grays. Yeah, this isn't yeah. hard. Why would they make uh, those uniforms? Were so stupid. Mm-hmm. Well, the worst part is they sell the shit out of them. So I mean, well, people that's, buy again. It. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> it, it's such a money grab. Yep. That's all it when is. it comes to these all-star games, mm-hmm. the NBA does that too. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so stupid. Yep. Stop it. At least, at least they got rid of the whole the winner of the all-star game gets home field advantage in the World Series because that was just a tro. Do you remember when that was a thing? Yes, re- that was just stupid. That no. was awful. I imagine that. Imagine. I couldn't even right imagine. because I want I want guys from the Orioles and the Marlins <laughs> deciding who get what. No way. What is for for something that you you're letting the fans pick who goes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's going to decide the world. What? What kind of nonsense is that? These are the same idiots the fans buy who voted Mike Trout in. Yep. Stop it. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh-huh. So I, I hate again. I hate the fan vote. I don't I don't think there should be a fan vote in any of these sports. Well, they should tell you that you're voting no and you just click the button. It doesn't go anywhere. Doesn't no go one's anywhere. tallying and it. You also can vote five times a day. 
Yes. A day leading up. Like you don't just vote one time and be done. Right. No, you vote five times a day leading up until a week before the All-Star game. Do you remember um, a few years ago when like six Kansas City Royals made it on the yeah. team because their fans were just like, yeah, we ain't got <laughs> shit to do. We'll just keep clicking on the Royals. I hate that. Here's what they should do. Take the two managers on either side and be like, pick your team. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the numbers from the first half and decide which guys you think will give you a, a, a good game. Mm-hmm. Just do that. Oh, there's nobody from the Orioles? Well, that's because they all suck. <laughs> why are we why are we like like shoehorning guys mm-hmm. into a game that recognizes the best of the best in the first half mm-hmm. as managed by the best manager from the team last year? <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, so no, it, it's it's wonky. It's definitely it was a wonky. Good game. Uh, it was a good game. It was. <laughs> now, there were some good plays, some good homers. We'll see one of those in a, in a minute. But much of the attention was on Shohei Otani because he made history. Because he not only had the start for the American League on the mound, but he also hit leadoff and got the win. Um, that was one thing that I was excited about. Like I said, I'm, I'm an Otani fan. Um, I really want to see him play in person. So I got to get out. I got to somehow uh, see an Angels game at some point. Um, Tyler and I were pumped when we saw that he was not only pitching as a starting pitcher, but he was going to hit leadoff. And he had to beg the MLB to let him do that because he wanted to keep hitting after the first – because he only pitched the first inning. Hey, Tyler. Tyler's working. He always oh, in the BJ's break room. Fantastic. No, I um, thought it was interesting because he got the win, though, Otani did. Yeah, yes? that's what I don't understand. He only pitched one inning. Right. So I don't know how that works. I don't know if, I don't know what the rules are, but they gave him the win. Like yeah. He did. And they made it a big deal that they gave him the win. Um, I had predicted that he was going to be the MVP no matter what happened. No matter what happened. It was, yeah, it was, this is one of those things where they were like, Sh- Shohei Otani is not leaving here without some award or recognition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was, that was pretty obvious from the get go. And let me tell you something. I know it's not quite the same, but I understand where Shohei Otani, I, I understand the shoes he's just had to fill. I also, made an all-star team as both a pitcher and a hitter in my wiffle ball league. And I, I hit lead off and started the game. So I I have had the experience that Shohei Otani has. And I will tell you, I definitely had a better day. (laughs) It would have been cool if he would have hit one out and one, right. You know, pitched a really, you know, uh, uh, struck out the side or would have been great. He just had like, he had like two pop-ups on the ground out, I think. Yeah, uh, it wasn't even. Mount, it, was, yeah. it was very anticlimactic, but yeah, I thought to myself in the game, I'm like, wait, how does he get the win? That doesn't even yeah. make sense. But of course, they he had to get something. Exactly. So they were like, oh, yeah. he's not going to get the MVP. We'll give him the W. We'll take it. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that too. Again, yeah, right, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Shohei. And just, just to where. No, well, the beautiful thing is, is this is an exhibition. It doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. You could do whatever you want in this Mm -hmm. game. Nobody cares. Exactly. And that was the biggest thing where Shohei apparently had to actually beg the MLB to allow him to not only pitch the first inning, but to stay in the game after they took him off the mound. Because the rule is once the guy's off the mound, it can't go back into the game. So he had to get special permission from the MLB to do it. And they were like, sure. Which is like, again, the fact that he even had to get permission and Manfred wasn't just like, I don't fucking care. Like, it's just like, all right, really? Like, who? just let it go. But just when I... It was when you think he couldn't like Otani even more. He took the $150,000 he made from the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game and donated it to the concession staff at Angel Stadium. 
He's a that's good cool. dude. He's a good that dude. That is a good That's a very cool a thing dude. to do. And that's the ability to just took all his earnings from the All-Star game and uh, the Homer Derby and donated it to the staff at the Angels at the Angels where the Angel, where the Angels play. So that's really cool. Uh, and then one funny thing, and, and honestly, if you ask me, the the reason why I like this this All Star break in a sense is because of the funny moments that you get with the players interacting, hanging out, whatever else. And we're gonna see a video of that when Vlad hit this home run and it's Tatis, who's his friend, reacting to the home run on the opposing team. Uh, but Trout called Otani in the middle of the home run derby. Like and they they like made it a big deal because like Otani's on the field standing waiting to go on and he's talking to Mike Trout who's giving him like advice and giving him a pep talk before he goes to the plate and they're like you know making a big deal out of it. So if anything else, sure it's a money grab, sure it's like whatever you know this games these games don't matter. Uh, I just like seeing the guy the, the kids be kids per se, right? Like the whole let the kids play mantra I feel comes alive at the at the All Star game and in the home run derby just because they're going out there and they're having a good time. Like you know they know it doesn't matter. They're playing around. There's a couple good plays, a couple big home runs and everyone goes home happy so for me that's why i like the all-star break in a sense um the nl in this game had several chances to get back into it they loaded up the bases against athletics uh, righty chris bassett in the sixth inning and against the red sox righty matt barnes in the eighth but could only muster one run on a mike uh, zunino passed ball so nl just didn't come through clutch in the big moments when they needed to to get the w here and then at the end of the game who else but Vlad Guerrero Jr. named the youngest all-star MVP ever. And he had a monstrous, monstrous home run. And I'm going to be honest, when he hits these things, it's almost unfair. Like, if you seeing this man hit a home run is unbelievable. Like, he, he smacked the shit out of that thing. And that was off of an all-star pitcher. Yeah. Uh, I predicted his MVP-ness in this game. And he is on my fantasy baseball teams, both of them. There you go. And there you go. I love this kid to absolute death. Yeah. He is the man. And I love Tatis's reaction because he was mic'd up. He was mic'd up during that. And then Vadi says something to him on the way by. Oh, man. But he absolutely decimated that thing. I do love this kid. He's so, oh, he's so fun. He is. He's a fun. He's a, he's a straight G. Straight G. Like, you know, you, you can't teach what he's capable of doing right now in baseball, uh, especially hitting a bomb. Like that again, Tati. And I just love again how uh, how Tatis was mic'd up in the middle of that, and they were talking about how good of friends they are. He was like, "Oh, that's my boy. Like we grew up together, played together for years." Blah blah blah. Next thing you know, smack, and Tatis just like, "Oh God!" Like you know, just, just like the good old days, uh, being in the field and and uh, Guerrero smacking one out of the park. But he's definitely fun to watch. If Toronto ever figures out what good pitching looks like and mm. they sign it or develop it with that young team, boy, watch out, man. They That team could be – they're right in it with the Yankees, which is, I think, another problem the Yankees face is that you're not only fighting with Boston and Tampa, but, you know, this Toronto team is certainly very good. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, I had Vlad uh, winning MVP in this game. 
I said, I know they want to give it to Otani, but I have a feeling this kid's going to do something huge, and he certainly did. And he delivered. He delivered for sure. But oh, you're right. If the, the last thing the Yankees need is another good team in the East uh, that just make the competition even tighter. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But for now, speaking of things that are fun to watch, let's check out a few ads of all the great happenings over at Clovercrest Media. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Keys yes. to the City. I crossed up by Colby, well, floated to Shaq, and then Shaq goes like this, and the rest is history. Pay attention. Don't tell me what to do, devil woman. But Speaking of those Lakers. But I, but I, hold on, fun. But I didn't make my I didn't make my I said Denver's going to win. Yeah, you did. You said that. There's no other show like that. Clovercrest is doing great things right now. Streaming everywhere. Manning lobs it. Burris alone. It's off the Leonard, defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? High fly ball, right field. Grossman back, track, wall, see ya! Into the second deck. A grand slam the other way for Aaron Judge. And the Yankees are pouring it on. For the latest news throughout the sports world, tune in to Sports Talk with R&J every Wednesday at 1 p.m. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, after a quick ad break, love seeing all the great happenings over at Clovercrest Media. Lots of great shows. Go check them out. And don't forget to watch uh, Crossing Wrestling Entertainment with Tyler and Dylan. They're probably going to go live later today, if I could imagine. Uh, oh, is that, that right? That is, is that going down today still? It might be. I'm not 100% sure. Tyler really hasn't mentioned it. Um, I, with camp, I, I can't possibly watch the shows. That's the problem because they're on Wednesday night and in the middle of the week, it's just not happening. Baseball, I can keep up with. You know, I could watch some highlights and read an article or two in the evenings, but watching the two and a half hours of wrestling a week just doesn't work. So I imagine they'll be going live later. Um, it's just a guess. So stay tuned for that. Uh, so you don't know. Thing, you don't have insider info on any of this. I, I, the I don't know. I don't know. At all all right. He hasn't. He hasn't told. That's fine. All right. Okay. Even t- I, I don't know I, anything either. Yeah, I don't know, but I do know <laughs> that you and I, you and I are having a great time here on baseball with the Bard. So that is that is the, one of the facts that I do know. Uh, another fact is that for the first time in baseball history, an MLB game will be called by all women, and I'm gonna absolutely 100 percent applaud. Yeah. A little chills, chills just thinking about it. First off, when I saw this headline, I was like, awesome. And then I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is this taking so long? Yeah. That that was my first thought. Um, So for the first time in Major League Baseball history, there will be an all-women serving as the on-air crew when the Baltimore Orioles and Tampa Bay Rays play against each other on Tuesday, reports the New York Times. Melanie Newman, who has served as the Orioles' radio play-by-play announcer since last year, will do play-by-play calling the game, while baseball analyst and MLB writer Sarah Lungs will be the analyst in the booth. Joining them will be Alana Rizzo, who will be on the field reporting, and Heidi Watney and Laura Gardner, who will anchor the pregame and postgame shows. So that's awesome. Like I can't, you know, I can't really put into words how cool it is that it's going to be an all-women team. Um, 
we have guys like Joe Buck calling baseball games, but yet, you know, this is the first time we have an all women team. So I know let's, let's, let's share the wealth. Like I'd love to see an all women team for uh, the, the playoffs at some point, like, you know, let's do something, do something cool here. And maybe a Red Sox Yankees series, something along those lines. I just have some other notable women from around baseball, the quick pitch host, Heidi Watney, who's going to be on this cast here, Laura Gardner. They're both there. And then Susan Waldman, obviously for the Yankees, who has been calling games with John Sterling for uh, as long as I could remember. So uh, it's just cool. I mean, it's about there damn is, time. There is nothing I enjoy more than talking baseball with a woman. Mm. And I mean that as sincerely as possible. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never forget a few years ago. My wife's not a huge baseball fan, but she gets tickets from work a lot. And we go to games. At one time, we were sitting next to this very attractive young couple. The dude was wearing like a tank top at a baseball game. And I knew this guy doesn't, he's not a baseball fan. And him and my wife were sitting there and basically talking about like, I don't know, the Kardashians or just some <laughs> nonsense. And I was sitting with a very attractive young lady. She was like 24 years old. Um, and I mean, this girl knew the Yankees like front and back. And I just remember thinking like, oh, my God, I, I could sit with this girl all day and talk. It was amazing. Um, I love Susie Waldman. She's uh, I mean, I, I I love listening to the Yankees on the radio. Mm-hmm. I'm a big John Sterling fan. I Me do too. love Susie Waldman. Uh, always have. Um, Leslie Visser is one of my all time uh, favorite female announcers. I think she's uh, one of the best. And Samantha Ryan. Uh, and Jeannie Zalasco from Fox Sports. Um, I've always really enjoyed them uh, and the insight that they bring. I, I think it's sad to know it that you know that there's still dudes out there that um, that can't that can't like get behind something like this. You know what I mean? Or or you know think that any of these people is undeserving because again they wouldn't be here if they if they couldn't do it. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, and 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 it's nice when you know sometimes you kind of give a little boost, whether it be for for diversity's sake or you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, it's okay. President Obama just made a great point the other day when he was talking about how there's networks out there trying to convince white Americans, you know, that that bad things are going to happen, like that stuff, like this, this the beginning of the end of the white man, and it's like, dude, tap the fucking brakes. <laughs> Right. Having one baseball game with an all woman crew. Oh, yeah. calm yourself down. The world's not going to end. Nothing bad's going to, we're not going to get hurricanes because of it or whatever Mike Pence says. You know what I mean? <laughs> Nothing bad is going to happen. Um, if you watch this game, you might actually enjoy it. I think Jessica Mendoza is great. I know a lot of people that can't stand her. And mm-hmm. I think, why don't you like Jessica Mendoza? There's no reason not to like her. She knows her shit. If Absolutely. you put a woman out there who didn't know what she was talking about on TV, we all deservedly would be pissed about it. And uh, well, honestly, though, okay, I'll let you finish. I'll let you and finish. It's, but, it's, but that's my point. It's They're not going to do that. And I think people don't understand the, the, the work, right? I mean, you know, you do a show. The work that you have to put in day in and day out to know what's going on to stay on top of things and then to come on and be able to speak coherently and intelligently they don't just hand jobs like that out in the business believe me exactly 
Yeah. So for sure, this is going to be great. Say, and again, kudos to baseball. And I'll say this too: last year with the Black Lives Matter stuff, I was afraid baseball was going to back down like they always do when it comes to important shit. And I was very proud of Major League Baseball last year for being mm -hmm. like, you know what? I know we have a dwindling black population in the game, but that shit's still super important to us. And I, I was very proud of baseball. I think this is super cool, too. So I'm excited for it. For sure. Me too. And I'm definitely going to check this game out and watch. And the my, my, one thing I want to say is let's just, you know, sure. Right. They're, that's the thing. Are, are they going to know what to talk about? Are they going to know the game? Are they going to know that it's like, why wouldn't they like, we don't ask those questions when there's just a random dude popping on the broadcast, like whoever took over for Michael K uh, on, on the S network. I mean, I'm not, I mean, he's okay. I, I'd rather listen to Michael K to be honest, but yeah. uh, you know, we weren't like, Oh, is he fit for the job? Like, no, nobody cared. So like, why are you asking these questions? Because it's a woman calling the broadcast. Like, there's been a female host of Quick Pitch, and they cover every single game that happened the day before. Every single game in the entire league has been females hosting that show for years, and I watch it every single morning. All right, so I, I don't want to hear you know, oh, are they going to know the game and whatnot? Like, really, save it, just save it, okay? And as you said, there's men who don't know sports. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they like the game. And and uh, if you are listening, whoever that uh, attractive 24-year-old female, I'm, I'm 24 as well, love the Yankees. So I don't know if you're single or not, but just, you know, put it out there. If you're, maybe if you know her, if your friends hear this, uh, just, all right, thanks, Joe. Good right. play, though. <laughs> that was smart. Yeah. I can't imagine she's still with that guy. I mean, this, I, this I mean, woman loved baseball so much that I he thought. Wore a tank, was it at least a Yankees tank top, or was it just like a tank top? No, no. It was like, yeah, like a Ralph Lauren or something. It, it oh wasn't, yeah. Gosh. Dude, this kid had, this dude had no, I don't even think he knew which, he was like, which team's the Yankees? Like the white oh and pinstripe team or the other? Like, dude, come on. Any of this? Yeah, no, that, that that's a deal breaker. All right. Well, yes, uh, fun times, definitely fun times. I'm looking forward to that game. And I'm also looking forward to this last half of the season here because there's a lot that could be going on. I stumbled upon this article by CBS Sports, Mike Axia. Uh, and he wrote that MLB second half bold predictions, and there's five of them. All right, let's start with the first one here, uh, is that Otani and Vlad Jr. will hit 50 home runs. Do you agree or disagree, Jeff? Um, they'll push 50. I don't know that they both will. I bet you one does and one gets close. Somebody's going to hit 49. Somebody hits like 52. All right. I, I think Otani will hit more. If you ask me, I, I, I think, think Vlad will. I think Vlad finishes with more. I might, okay. you know what my thought about Otani is? Uh -huh. He hasn't missed any time yet this season. He really hasn't at all. Yeah. That at shocks all. me. Because he's always he's always a bit a little bit of a banged up guy. Miss miss a little bit of time here and there. Not nothing 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 too bad. I just again I think when you're doing two things, you're pitching, you're playing the field increasingly. He's 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 getting into games. I I'll tell you what I think. You know what I would love to see them do. Make him the closer. Ooh, okay. You could pitch this guy three or four days a week. Yeah, you could call him right in from right field, take the pitcher out, put a new right fielder in and let him close those games. Mm. And if God forbid he gives up a lead and it's got to go to extra innings, he can hit. Exactly. He's still in the game. Ah, that's that's smart. I, uh, to me, you know, look, their their starting rotation is awful. Sure. sure. In, in Anaheim. So, you know, and he might be the best of the lot. And so maybe the idea of like, well, uh, Pitching one day a week, though, 
again, if he gets knocked out of a start like he did against the Yankees, you're you're out. You're out of the game. I think it would make more yeah, sense. Absolutely. You want to pitch absolutely. this guy more in short spurts. I mean, my God. I, I to me that that's a no-brainer. I would have him close and and be my everyday right fielder. And when I need to bring him in the pitch, I just bring him in from right yeah. field instead of the bullpen. That's a damn good idea. You imagine like Otani being in right field, just hit two home runs right in the game. They're up, they have a lead of like three, and they just jogs in from right field. Takes the fucking uh, takes the ball, closes the game out. That's epic, dude. The last out of the eighth inning, I'm like, stay out in right field and just run over to the pen, throw about twenty pitches, and yeah. let me know when you're ready. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's that'd All be right. epic. That'd be epic. Um, so yeah, uh, again, Joe and I disagree. We'll have to come back later uh, once the season is over. You'll have to be on the end of the season episode then uh, with Tyler and I just before the playoffs, and we'll see who's right if uh, Vlad or Otani. We'll either hit 50. If they both hit 50, who, who gets there first? I say Otani still. So we'll go with Fair that. enough. I still got All Vlad. Right. Awesome. Uh, next up here, Tatis. Fernando Tatis Jr., the stud from the Padres, um, will go 40 for 40. Now, this is off of 40 home runs and 40 steals. A very elite list uh, that we see the 1988 Athletics' Jose Canseco. Barry Bonds in 96 when he played for the Giants had 40 home runs and 40 steals. A-Rod in 98 with the Mariners had 42 home runs and 46 steals. And Alfonso Soriano for the Nationals in 06 had 46 homers and 41 steals. Uh, uh, Tatis right now, halfway through, has 28 dingers with 20 stolen bases. So I mean, he's, he's on pace to do that. And we, I want to dive a little bit more into Tatis. But what do you think? Do you think Tatis will actually get to 40 home runs? I think the 40 homers is a definite. I mean, he's only 12 away in the second half. I'd be shocked if he didn't get to 40. Let's say he hits maybe 43, 44 on the year. I think the harder part is going to be he's got 21 steals now. I think he stole a base last Mm -hmm. night then. So 21 stolen bases. He needs 19 more over, what, 70 games? It seems like a reasonable thing to do. But here's the thing. Fair. I think you're going to see less stolen base attempts in the second half. This is a team that's very much in playoff contention. This is a team um, that won't really be able to afford to give up outs. And we see just around the game, you know, the the reluctance to run. Yep. So it, it, if he if he doesn't get to 40-40, I think he will get close. I remember Soriano actually when he was with the Yankees had a 40-homer uh, 39 steal season. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we got pretty dang close. And I remember when he did get it, obviously, uh, some years later, of course, after they sent him packing. Um, <laughs> I do, I do, I, I, again, I think the homers will happen whether he gets the 40 steals or not. And I'm, I'm sure he'll be close. I wouldn't guess it'd be, it's, he's not going to steal 60 bases. You know no. what I mean? I feel like if he gets there, it's going to be close. Maybe it comes right down to the wire. Uh, but I, the homers, uh, this kid, this yeah. kid could hit 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't shock mm-hmm. me either. I think the 40 is going to be tough, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say, yeah, I talked myself into it, Noah. Tatis is going 40-40. All right. Uh, I think I'm going to go with your first argument. I think the 40 home runs is an understatement. I think he's I, – honestly, I, we should put him in the race with Otani and Vlad. I mean, he just smacks him. He smacks him all over the place. It makes it look easy too. Um, the 40 steals is going to be tough, and I'm going to go to the shoulder injury, which is, I was alluding to before you, I know you yep. picked up on. Um, he still has that lingering injury. It's not keeping him from playing. 
but it's one of those things that you don't want to re-injure. You don't want to strain. You don't want to make it worse because, again, this is a playoff contender team. You don't want your one of your best guys going down just before the end of the season. So maybe he's going to take it a little more slow. He's not going to want to be diving around and sliding into the base, uh, extending his arms out like that and possibly re-injuring that shoulder. But if he can slap some fingers and make a couple of good grabs in, in the field, why not? Let's, let's just keep him there. So that is uh, Tatis. Uh, Joe says, yes, 40 for 40. I say 40 home runs all day, 40 steals. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, next up here, Eloy Jimenez is on his way back, and he'll finish the season with 15-plus home runs. So, I mean, they're saying he's going to be slugging when he gets back. As you may know, uh, Jimenez, he's 24 years old, and he tore his pectoral trying to rob a home run in spring training, and he has not played a game yet this season. He recently completed his recovery and is now in the minor league rehab assignment at Chicago's AAA affiliate. Uh, he went deep for on his first game appearance this last weekend. What do we think, Joe? Um, this guy hit 14 home runs in 55 games last season, hit 31 in 122 games. Figure he gets into about 70 games this year for the White Sox, assuming yeah. he comes back within the next uh, week or so. Sure. 15 home runs. Yes. Okay. I think he hits exactly 15 home runs in the second half. Exactly 15. I don't think he's hitting. I don't think he's. Well, again, I mean, you know, could he hit 20 in 70 games? Yeah. I I mean, if he wasn't coming off a devastating injury, I might. I might really go. I bet you he will. I I think 15 is about where I expect he would finish, uh, assuming he plays well and that the injury doesn't uh, get re-aggravated. Okay. Absolutely. And that's true. So I, I think I think he'll get to that moniker of 15 home runs. Um, I don't know. I don't think he's going to jump out of his shoes and outperform himself, but he's joining a squad who is already winning, who's already doing great things. So any power he can add to it, even if it's just like, you know, oh, just go hit a home run, you know, when take it easy. Nothing crazy. That's it. Uh, then I could totally see that happen, especially, like I said, with this team. So they're only getting better, which is terrifying. But the White Sox are only getting better. Uh, next up, the Mets will trade for the Cubs star Chris Bryant. Um, I know the trade deadline is coming. There's lots of scramblings. There's word that the free uh, free agent Craig Kimbrell could possibly be on the move. Uh, so, what are we thinking here? Do you think the Mets will actually pick up Chris Bryant? I, I, it just seems that seems sacrilegious to me that that Chris Bryant would not play on the Cubs. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Is Mike Axia a Mets fan by chance? Uh, you know, I'm not like, sure. Sounds like yeah. something a Mets fan would say. It would make sense. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you have, you have a few teams who are in the mix, like the Brewers and Nationals are in the mix for him as well. Um, but the Cubs you know, really trade them to Milwaukee. That just doesn't make sense. It's again, it's kind of like a bonehead move. Why would you do that? Um, but they have the biggest need for a guy like Chris Bryant, you know, like the Mets. Uh, so that that's where the, that's where the big talk is coming in. And again, let's not forget. It's a bold prediction, right? So he's really saying, all right, I'm going out on a limb here. Um, this is what I got. Uh, do I see it happening? No, I, I just can't picture I just can't picture the Mets uh, picking up Bryant only because uh, the uh, there's another team in the mix for another Cubs player and the likes of Anthony Rizzo that might happen. 
And I don't think they're going to drop both these guys. They got to put Aston seats somehow. Yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I, I'm not sure that the Mets have uh, what it would require to get a guy yeah, like that. That's that's one thing that's just not there. Like the the he didn't he didn't put any of that. He didn't back that up with per se. The Mets could move this guy or move that guy and, and whatever else. So. Well, right. Um, so, right. It's it's easy to say, oh, the Mets will go out. And yeah. get. I mean, obviously, yeah. they've got a need there, but what are they giving away? Well, they're giving away. Exactly. And I mean, again, we said the Mets are having a decent season. They have the drum. They have a few good things going for them at the top of the division. So at that rate, you really want to add. So maybe the Cubs, I mean, the Cubs are in a position to where I, I guess they would want anything that was short of a good prospect. You know, like, I, I, don't, I don't see the Cubs. I mean, the, the Mets are going to move anybody who's doing good things for them, obviously. Like the Cubs are definitely the sellers in this situation. I'd also so, like to point out that the Mets are eight games below 500 on the road this year. And that, <laughs> that's atrocious. That shouldn't instill any confidence in any. They, they're 28 and 14 at home. So playing great home baseball, they're awful on the road. That's pretty bad. And um, I'm going to guess that, that the road to the World Series is going to go through Los Angeles or San Diego or San Francisco. And that mm-hmm. does not bode well. No, not at all. For the Metropolitans. Not at all. Uh, lastly, things that don't bode well, period, if you're a Yankees fan or a fan of these other two teams we're about to name, but there will be a three-team tie for the American League All-Star. I'm um, sorry, the American League Wild Card game. Uh, this a bizarre thing to guess. This is crazy. Joe, do you imagine? And there's he's saying the Athletics, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees will finish tied for the second American League wild card spot. And he said, sorry, Cleveland Angels and Mariners, which I'm not sorry for those three teams. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sorry. Do you imagine? I mean, that would just be nuts. Baseball always wants to shake things up, right? It's the 10th year of the wild card, technically ninth. There's no wild card last year because everyone made the playoffs. Um and if, there's been tiebreaker games. There's been some chaos. There's 160 degree game tiebreakers. Um, sorry, there are 160. There were, there was a game 163 tiebreaker in 2018 yep. when we saw the Dodgers, Rockies, and then we saw the Cubs and Brewers, and in 2013 with the Rays, Rangers. So exciting, right? Both those teams were tied at the end of the season, but a three-team tie in the East. I mean, sorry, in the American League in general. I wouldn't even know what to do with myself. Well. I, I would say this because you're doing a play-in game. You have multiple play-in games at this yeah. point. And I would be concerned about um, if you're one of those three teams and you win your first play-in game and then you have to win your second play-in game, you now go into the opening series with your number three pitcher on the hill. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. not good. No. That is not what you That's not a wild card game at that point. That's not a make. You know what I mean? Like that's not a t- like if you look at a tiebreaker game or a make or break, right? Like your game seven on your World Series or your your wild card game, your straight up wild card game or a tiebreaker game. You you want to put your ace on the mound, like that's right? Of course, that's what, of that's course. what makes that's what sells that game. Is that all right? Best pitchers on both teams, starting lineup, everyone's in. Like all the starters, let's go for it. Like we're pitching, we're gonna hit Sanchez instead of Higashioka because he got a better bat. So we're putting Sanchez behind the plate, even though it's cold. Like we're taking risks. That's the whole point of those types of games. So. Having three teams have to decide a time. I don't even know what that would look like. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if you have any idea of what that might. Yeah, I, I, I literally think it's two teams play. You, The team that's got the tiebreaker amongst them, maybe you go by division record or whatever have you, or, con, mm-hmm. you know, a league record uh, that you get a buy. So the two teams square off your ace versus my ace. 
with the winner moving on to play the third team, who now has the luxury of having their ace ready to go against your number two guy. Uh And again, if you lose, your number two guy's facing their ace when you get to the division series. And God forbid, if you're the team that has to win two games to get into this, you would literally have to start your next series with your number three and number four starters leading off. Yeah. Yeah, And any potential... Any potential clinching games, you're looking at again. Your your three start. Uh, that's not. That's not. I don't know. I don't love that. I don't. No. It would be hard for all of these teams to keep pace with each other like this. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine one of these teams doesn't pull away or one of these teams falls off the face of the of the earth. Maybe even the Yankees. I hate to say it, I but like, yeah, I yeah, well. I don't I don't see a three team tie. I think that's 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 a little, that's a little ambitious. That's a guy who really wanted five things on his yeah. list. And after the Mets to Bryant thing, he was like, what else? Oh boy. What a three T. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, I don't, I don't buy it. I don't buy it. No. Yeah. I'm going to disagree with that one. I'm going to disagree with that one too. I don't see a three team wild cards, but I think that there will be one of those three that are going to fall off the cliff. I sadly think it's going to be our team, um, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, speaking Speaking of things that are kind of just in the air all the time are these MLB rule updates that I put a question mark and exclamation point there because there's the rumor mill, right? Rumors run wild. So the universal DH is the biggest topic of discussion. Uh, It's been a topic of discussion for a while. Like we talked about it a lot. Uh, It seems that the MLB may actually make the move and make the switch, uh, not counting 20 and 20. The 109 batting average that pitchers have this season is the lowest such mark since 1916. So, I mean, sure, it's fun. Right, pitchers hit. You have moments where Bartolo Colon has a great home run. You have moments where someone comes up and whatever. But before we watch this video here of a pitcher hitting a grand slam in his debut game and his brother was there, it was epic. We got to watch the whole thing. Um, what's your opinion, Joe? Like, how do you feel about the Universal DH? Tyler and I have talked about it on our show. Our, people who watch our show know what our, our views are. What do you think? Yeah, you know, so I I've always been one. I mean, I'm I, I'm an American League guy, and and I always have been. And I've here's what I've always said about it: if you want the pitchers to hit, and I'm fine with that. A, a guy like Jacob Degrom, I mean, he's yeah. a really good hitter. Yeah. <laughs> but but what I what I don't want is pitchers having a 109 batting average because and and my complaint and my argument when who's the best pitcher in baseball I say well and and my fans buddies understand this when we're comparing him to Garrett Cole you're you're only facing eight major league hitters in a mm-hmm. lineup Garrett Cole's facing nine okay um you one look at which- teams like you look One at teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates, and, and you're talking about maybe seven, six or seven yeah. professional yeah. baseball players in a lineup. One of, one of those nine that Gary Cole faces, also, his job is also just to hit. Yes. Like, that's his expertise. It's supposed yeah. to be. Like, you know, J.D. Martinez and Carlos Stanton, it's their job just to hit. Yeah. Right. Not only is he not a 109 batting average type hitter, he's a guy who's literally paid to be a terror, who's literally the mash balls. Power hitter uh, is is generally what the DH is. So yeah, you're a million percent right. I I um, if you're not going to make your pitchers become good hitters, then yes, just get rid of the pitching. Yeah, I, I yeah. I've always thought it was stupid, and I don't exactly. like that there's two separate rules mm-hmm. in each of the league. I, I have one or 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 have the other. Exactly, and then the fact that in the World Series, 
like Garrett Cole has to pick up a baseball bat. That's you know, so stupid. Play. It's stupid. It makes it ruined no Shin Ming Wong's career having a run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that thing. And I, I'm, if you ask me, just leave it up to the team. Like it shouldn't even be a thing that MLB makes them do. Like if you're in the National League, you have like the pitcher has to hit. Like there's no way around it. Like it's the rule, right? If you're American League, the pitcher doesn't. Like it's a rule. It, it, leave it open. Like if the pitcher, like I'm not going to tell Garrett um, Jacob Degrom he can't hit. Right. Jacob Degrom wants to pick up a bat. Pick up a fucking bat. If he doesn't. Yeah. Whatever. You, you got to set that before the game. Like, set your lineup and go. That's the way that should be done. Like, you shouldn't force these teams to do things they don't want to do. Like, if the, you know, in the Subway Series, and if they play at City Field, I don't want, you know, uh, Jordan Montgomery picking up a bat. But if the ground wants to, by all means, you go well, right sure. ahead. Sure. And you know what? Like, they made the exception for the All Star game with Shohei Otani. Hey, if, if Shohei wants to, to bat for himself and then when he comes out of the game, can the Angels have a DH? Why not? Sure. They don't want those other guys to hit. Why can't they implement the DH now? Does it mm-hmm. matter? Does it? They have to decide before the game whether they're going to do it or not. Who cares? Who cares? You're exactly right. But yeah, uh, pitchers embarrassing themselves shouldn't happen anymore. Although this young fella, Noah, d- amazing. Daniel Camarena, mm-hmm. a pitcher, a relief pitcher. Yep. They don't even usually game. bat. They never even get nope. to bat, let alone nope. having to face Max Scherzer with the bases mm-hmm. loaded. And they let him hit, and his and his brother was there, and he did this. Ball one. Doing a change up there. Bases juiced. Scherzer on the mound. Scherzer throwing a change up on a on the first pitch. Interestingly enough, yeah, true against a pitcher. Yeah. Dude, just throw three fasties right by him. He realizes that, though, and he tries to do – well, he doesn't. He tries to do another nasty breaking ball low, and and that's what burned him. Camarena to deep right field. Camarena plays and San Diego. Are you kidding me? The Padres pitcher that is – That's his family. His brother's the one with – that's his brother in the middle. Did his brother catch it? No, no, no. His brother just like – Almost fainted, honestly. That's his brother. Yeah, that's his, yep. Just, oh my god. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. John Boy. I don't know if you know John Boy. You you I definitely know, yeah. know John Boy. He has a great breakdown of this. And I suggest anyone goes and watches. And his his lip readings are always amazing. Max Scherzer has got to be kicking himself oh, still, yeah. I would think, on this. Look at that. I mean, well, and honestly, <laughs> there's there's a dozen not people. For nothing, like, not for nothing. You put a ball there to any lefty and exactly. they should deposit turn it. Turn and burn. Feet. Turn yeah. and burn. That's yeah, it. that was definitely the right pitch for yep. uh, Camarena to, to. Exactly. Holy smokes. I didn't miss How it. exciting, though. With your right? own family there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, that's the thing. He didn't miss it. And that's the. And he didn't even have to put a. I mean, that ball soared, but again, turn and burn. If you're a lefty and you you can you can golf at it like that, it's going out. Yeah. And a grand slam, helping yourself out, and then go back out there and pitch. He got the he got the spinner chain from Tatis and Slam Diego. That's just the that's just the way to put it, man. Man, that's uh, a fun team, for sure, for sure. And that's the thing. If uh, that guy uh, Daniel Camarena, he wants to hit in his next uh, pitching appearance, by all by all means, you go right ahead. Yeah. You you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, 
You want to take a day? Yeah, who cares? Who cares? But there we go. MLB rule changes. But let's hop into two things that are definite consistencies here in the Red Sox and the Yankees. So let's start with the Sox. Tyler's not here, so we'll keep this short. The Red Sox are good. Okay. Like, we know that. We don't have to talk about it. Uh, I will say this. Earlier in the year. Uh, ESPN's David the, Schoenfield predicted that the Red Sox. Earlier this year, the, the Red Sox had a losing record on the road as well. And they're they've they've played so much better, particularly on the road. Uh, now twenty eight and seventeen, they actually have a better record um, at on the road than they do at home at this point. Uh, mm. The other thing I would point out is their run differential is sixty one. Both Toronto and Tampa's are over eighty. Mm. So they're they're definitely um, beating teams up a little bit more than the Red oh, yeah. Sox are. Oh yeah. No, for sure. And that's the thing that I don't know. The Red Sox are just winning. So, like, I, I want to look at, well, if we, we'll talk about after with the Red Sox did the Yankees last night. It was kind of painful. But, um, uh, the, the man, I'm sorry, David Schoenfeld predicted that the Sox could be requiring the Cubs first baseman, Anthony Rizzo. Uh, Rizzo was swinging 247 with 10 home runs and an OPS of seven, uh, 771. I mean, this seems far fetched to many. But the Red Sox are in the market for a first baseman. As Bobby Dahlbeck's great, and Tyler said it. But you need to have you need to have that solid guy. And if you're going to make a postseason push, which it seems like they're trying to set themselves up to do that, you got to make sure you have a little bit of depth in that area because that's an area well, we've been lacking. Bobby Dahlbeck isn't great. Bobby Dahlbeck uh, is a solid player. He's a solid okay. Red Sox. He's a he's a uh, uh, like Pedroia and Euclid and and Muller and some of those guys from back in the day. He's not a great player, Bobby Dahlbeck. Everybody knows he's not, and that's the reason they're looking to go get Anthony Rizzo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cubs are eight games out. They're a game under 500. That's why you're hearing all the talk about Kimbrell and Brian yep. and, and Rizzo. Do I expect the Cubs, a major market team, to dump all these guys as opposed to not paying them as if this team's going to have to do a rebuild? I mean, give me a break, dude. Just just between Kimbrough, Bryant, and Rizzo, you you would be competitive in any year with those mm -hmm. three guys. So I don't know. I mean, they're again, they're eight back. The Yankees aren't selling. I don't know why the Cubs would start selling. I suppose the next week or so is really going to make a difference whether or not the Cubs can win some games. Otherwise, maybe the fire sale happens. But all three of those guys? No, not all three. That's definitely I. I don't see it. So, and I, I would think it. Bryant's the most likely to go, not Rizzo. Okay. Bryant's most likely to go. Yeah. Honestly, I, and looking at that and that pitch you just made, I could agree. Rizzo is just more of a, a staple in, in Chicago. Uh, here's, can I make a, a, an interesting observation? It seems to me, as I've looked at it over the years, Todd Helton, uh, Joe Maurer, who eventually moved from catcher to first base. There's this thing that, that it, I feel like these Midwestern teams have with white, first baseman I, I i kid you not there's something about a white first baseman he's like six ones freddie freeman these guys are not going anywhere and i'll tell mm -hmm. you the reason is because 80 percent of your team your fans that is their favorite player everybody loves anthony rizzo everybody yep. I mean, there, there was a reason todd helton played first base for the rockies till he was like 43 we're getting rid of that guy. Mm -hmm. Mike Sweeney was in Kansas City for way too long playing first base before they moved him over to DH, and then eventually he he had to get moved completely because 
he was terrible by late in his career. But the the white first baseman, they don't they don't move these guys. Um, I was angry when San Diego moved um uh Gonzalez, uh, who was yeah. from San Diego, and I thought, dude, if you're trying to entrench yourself with the market of San Diego, you've got a Hispanic, uh, a Mexican American first baseman from that town. Mm-hmm. Build around that guy. Yep. What? Holy smokes, man. But they don't. White first baseman there forever. Drives me it's nuts. Funny. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I I mean, it's clear, right? It's obvious that that's a thing. I just never really thought about it really hard. So that's the truth, though. And you just named, you know, like Freddie Freeman, Rizzo, so many of these guys, Maurer. Um, yeah, it's, it's nuts. It's, it's always nuts. the Midwestern teams. Yep. Yep. Always. Mark McGuire, yep. another useless first baseman with St. Louis. <laughs> it happens. They don't want to move those guys. No, your favorite sure. player. It's all Absolutely. the all the little white kid fans. It's their favorite player. And God forbid they should move those guys. The chances of Anthony Rizzo leaving the Cubs to me is slim to none. Mm-hmm. You know, so I could agree. I don't, I don't, you've talked me out of it. I don't see Rizzo joining the Red Sox. Uh, Kimbrel will be say, gone. Kimbrel, Kimbrel's moving. Uh, he's even gone. though he's had a great season. Stuck. Yeah, well, dude, but, I mean, they're not winning like, games. They don't exactly. need him. I think he's a free no. agent after the season. Get, get, get something for him. That makes sense. He's 37, 38. Uh, Rizzo and Bryant are still young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, again, maybe you move one, not the other, because you do got to pay both. But I would think that if they could, the Cubs would pay them both and keep them. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you got to put asses in seats somehow. Yeah, that's the true thing, that. You know, um, one thing though that is a, it is a definite is Sale begins his rehab assignment, and Cora's already said it before. He said it; he keeps doubling down, tripling down. That Sale will be a part of the team this year. Uh, you seem to have uh, an opinion on this. Well, because it's a rehab assignment, and there's no such thing as a definite. Because we saw Luis Severino maybe three true. weeks away. And then suffered what looked like a devastating injury that ended up being a minor setback. So until you get a hundred percent clean bill of health, and I see the uh, Chris Sale has been added to the twenty-six man roster, uh, I'm going to wait on that. I'm going to wait on getting too excited um, because we've we've seen it a lot with a lot of these guys. Um, I think Syndergaard with the Mets also recently suffered. Uh, mm-hmm. A setback in his rehab, so yeah, there there's no such thing as a definite rehab assignment. The guy hasn't even begun it yet. If he was three or four starts into a rehab assignment, and you want to tell me he'll be back in a cup? Okay, yeah. he hasn't even started throwing yet. Mm-hmm. Temper the expectations. Uh, again, Chris Sale would be a great boost to the Red Sox if it happens. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that this team kept running this guy out there when they weren't in any, they were not competitive and they ran him out there and that's why he's, he's out and hurt. So they, they've mishandled this guy before and I'm, I'm still, I've been very concerned about Chris South for the better part of two years. Okay. I um, like the guy. I think he's a great sure. pitcher. I hope he yeah, comes absolutely. back like normal. But again, these rehab assignments—they're not—they're not what. Not for nothing. Luke Voigt's been on two rehab assignments two, this year, yeah. 
and yeah. he returned and then went right back out with a new injury. So, mm-hmm. again, before you start stamping tickets to the World Series with Chris Sale, make sure he's back first. For sure. And that's one thing that, that they've, they've kind of been doing is, you know, saying, oh, Sale will be a part of our, you know, postseason push and whatever else. So, you got to be careful, uh, careful with sometimes what you say. And again, there's no saying he's going to come back and be that version of Chris Sale that they were looking at, you know, before he went out. Uh, so the bold takes for the Red Sox, and uh, um, are you do you have a bold take for the Sox? Want me to lead off here? Or I I do have a bold take for the Red Sox, and my bold take is is that they will not win the division. They will not win the division. Okay. So the, Joe says the Red Sox will not win the division of the AL East. Um, they and, will win the wild card. They will be a wild card team. Okay. Don't get me wrong here. They will not win this division. Okay. My and I won't take. tell you who is going to. Well, I was going to ask you that later. But <laughs> uh, my bold take will be, I think the Sox will win the division. I think they will meet the Astros in the postseason at some point. And I think the Astros will eliminate them rather easily. I love that. And that is my bold take. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't love it in the sense of the Astros, you know, uh, advancing in the playoffs. But I don't. I don't see the Red Sox getting past the Astros. I think the Astros are a team that they're good. We know they're good, but I think people kind of still sleep on the Astros a little bit. Like I don't think anybody expected them to be as good as they are right now. Yeah. So uh, I think that's going to happen in the postseason for the Sox. But that's enough about the Red Sox. Let's hop on over to our boys, as there's a there's a good amount to talk about the New York Yankees. Uh, I have here at the top this weekend series versus the Red Sox is extremely important. And then last night happens. So <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Go ahead. Go ahead. I would like to point out two things that the Yankees have winning records at home and on the road. Yeah. They yeah. are uh, just nine games back. And, you know, again, this isn't the worst thing that's ever happened. They, they mm-hmm. do have to, find the consistency here in the second half because we've seen it we've seen them go eight and two over a 10 game stretch and then follow that up with like two and eight or three and seven and so it's it's a matter of finding the consistency it really you can't really you can't really hang this on injuries there has been a massive failure of this team so many guys have underperformed. If you look at the year Glaber Torres is having and continues to have, he got hot maybe once all year where he had a decent stretch, got himself up to about 270, and now he's down back uh, uh, around 230, 240. Voight's been in and out of the lineup inconsistent when he's played. DJ LeMayhew has been an utter disappointment. Uh, Gary Sanchez, for most of the first half, has actually had a higher on-base percentage than DJ LeMayhew has. Gio Urshela has not played as well as he has. The the superstar we thought he was turning into. Clint Frazier has been an utter failure. Brett Gardner has been a failure. Stanton and Judge have hit when they've been in the lineup. Sanchez got off to a terrible start. He started hitting again. That's it. You've got like three guys that are basically been carrying this team for most of the year. Mm-hmm. I can't, I have to assume, Noah, that literally six of your starters are not going to have a career worst year. Yep. It, it, it's almost shocking if four or five guys have a career year, let alone the opposite, uh, uh, the worst year of their career. So I, I, I think that the Yankees hitters will start to level out. I think you're, again, I mentioned the luck earlier. Uh, 
as Gary started hitting balls harder and they're finding holes now, he's getting more hits. It's going to level out. It, it it always ends up evening out. But a lot of these, the, the Frasers and 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 the the Glabers of the world and the Lemayus, they got to start hitting. They got to start coming through in clutch situations. The pitching's still pretty good. The bullpens had a couple of failures, but again, I don't expect that that's going to become um, a consistent thing. Cole had two bad starts. Chapman had two horrible outings. Um, you know, again, people are like, well, it's over. It's like, well, that happened twice. Calm down. Calm down. And as bad as things are, they're still not, they're nine games out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They're still they're above 500. They're definitely underperforming that we can all agree with uh, what we expected them to do. Um, but in uh, looking at the Yankees lineup and looking at the dynamic, we keep talking about how there's a lack of, of um, diversity in the lineup, right? We don't have this power lefty and we keep talking about this power lefty. There's been a good amount of, you know, there's rumors and there's a lot of chatter. There's rumors and there's things that Jeff Passan pays attention to. Let's put it that way. Um, and Jeff Passan himself said that the Yankees have their eyes on it, on Joey Gallo, which is a big thing. Gallo is swinging 239 right now with 24 dingers and an OPS of 923. The lefty that the Yankees needed, the Yankees, when we talked about the Yankees are going to uh, be needing if they're trying to make this push towards the end of the season uh, to try to make sure they can secure that wild card spot at the minimum, right? Uh, that's what they're going to want to do. So I don't even have to ask you this question. Do you think the lack of uh, Yankee lefties has hurt them? We agree on that one. Yeah, but you know you what? This. Let me say this. Here's the thing I hate, though. Stan, Stanton and Judge don't need a lefty in between them. No. Okay. Like that, no. that doesn't need to happen. No. And and I, you know, you know, but to not have a lefty power bat in the Yankees lineup, again, it's never been done and it's really hard to do. You do need some balance to the lineup. Having Rogie Odor or Brett Gardner bat third, just for the sake of having some balance in the lineup is not, that's not a smart move. You're going to go get a lefty like Joey Gallo. You want to put him up and split up the big guys, then fine. Otherwise, they just don't have the guy to do it. Mm-hmm. So there could be something to this. We'll see what happens. I hope the Yankees make a move, though. I do hope they make a move. And I, in all honesty, if they don't, there's going to be – I think the fans are going to be pissed. If they, don't, if, they, if, they don't, if they do nothing at all, it's just going to be inexcusable. Um, but we will see how things go. Do you have a bold take for the New York Yankees, Joe? I do. Yes. Uh, the Yankees will finish the season at 86 and 76 and they will miss the postseason. <laughs> that is atrocious. That's a 40 and 33 second half record. Yeah. Yeah. Which, Which... is about what they're playing at. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately that's, I just don't think that's going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a decent second half. Sure, but the first but, half was not bad, so it's just not going to happen. I agree. I, I, I sadly agree at this point. It just doesn't look like the Yankees are going to win the, the – I'm sorry, make it to the playoffs. It's just not going to cut it, especially in their division, especially in the American League. They're not going to outpace the athletics. Um, I don't see that happening. It's just uh, – it sucks. There was so much hope going into the season. Could they still do it? Absolutely. But I think the inconsistency is the biggest thing with the Yankees and inconsistency in hitting and inconsistency in pitching. If you look at the teams that are doing good, the consistency is there. 
and it, it, it just flows. Sure, they have a bad game once every five days. Everyone does. Once every seven days, everyone does. But the Yankees aren't going on. Like, they had a tear at some point, at one point in the season, where they won, like, 10 games out of, the, out of 15. Um, but then they fall off a cliff. And there was a lot of hope that they would come off at the All-Star break and have steam, that this is going to be the turning point. And they keep talking about returning the corner, rounding the corner, and all this other bullshit. And it didn't happen. Um, we saw last night, and sure, first game back after a big break, whatever, but it was just atrocious. Sure, there's a, they're missing a lot of players because of COVID. Regardless, it was just bad. So, in looking at the left half of the season for the Yankees, I don't think it's, anything's going to change. I don't think they're going to do anything drastic. Uh, if they do add Gallo, it's going to help more than hit, hurt, I think. But is it going to be enough to get into the postseason? I don't think so. No, but you know what it will be is a good step in the right direction for 2022. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Um, again, to me, Estevan Florial's got to be up here tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to see that kid man center field for the rest of the year. Again, think about how Aaron Judge did at the end of the 2016 season when he came up. Mm-hmm. He struck out in 50% of his at-bats and then came up the next year and ended up being the rookie of the year. So. Yep. You know, I think especially if the Yankees, if things aren't going well, you know, you got a lot of these young guys down on the farm. Get them up here. Get them some PT. See what you got, you know, and 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 do what the Red Sox did. Sort of pack it up. Get ready for next year. Look at what you have. They found Bobby Dalbeck. That was a pretty, pretty good thing. Um, obviously, Verdugo, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you had a short season, weren't super competitive, got a chance to see what this guy could do every day. And 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 it's and it's worked out. And so I, I think if the Yankees, they can't just it can't be same old, same old. You're just going to keep coming out and winning three and then losing two and then winning five and then losing four. I mean, you, you, you got to You got to get a little drastic here. Exactly. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's for sure. It's not going to cut it. You can't keep with the same old, same old. And with that being said, we thank you all for joining us. If you love podcasts, make sure you check out clovercrestmedia.com for a wide selection of great podcasts, shows featuring so many different types of topics from sports, true crime, politics, and everything in between. There are over 28 shows on the CMG Network. Make sure you check it out and tell your friends all about it. And if you want to start a show of your own, you can do that for as little as $15 a month. Clovercrestmedia.com is the website to visit. Make sure you check it out and tell your friends all about it. Today joining me was oh Zoe has something he wants. You're gonna to want to update your script. There's 41 podcasts. 41 today. shows. Yes, Good sir. lord, this is a very very old. Uh, honestly, I, I was just right here to be honest. No, I that's great. That uh, so 41 shows, folks, on the CMG Network. Check it out. Visit clovercrestmedia.com for all of the latest information on starting your own show and maybe being number 42. So with that being said, thank you, Joe, for joining me, filling in for Tyler. I'm Noah Cross. That's Mr. Joseph Aguire. And this was Baseball with the Bard. Baseball with the bar.